You ever watch a video on YouTube or TikTok and it shows someone walking right on the edge at the top of a very tall building? Or maybe they're right at the edge of a cliff with a steep drop off and they're doing flips or some stupid thing just to get views and show how fearless they are. Every time I see one of those, I get this weird feeling in my gut because I think about the risk that they're taking and the horrifying outcome if they make just one little mistake. I wasn't always afraid of heights. As a kid, I was on the roof of our house all the time. But as an adult, I fell off a roof, and since then, I avoid high places. That's why I'll most likely never go hang gliding. It actually does look like it would be an incredible experience, just flying silently through the air. But my mind would always go back to the thought of what could go wrong. That kind of destroys the moment. My guest in this episode, Chris, went hang gliding and he found out exactly what could go wrong. It was his first time and he was flying with an experienced hang gliding pilot. When they took flight, Chris realized he was not strapped in. His pilot had forgotten to attach him to the hang glider. This is a flashback episode. Chris originally told this story a few years back here on the podcast. So after you hear his story, I'll play a recent conversation I had with him so you can hear what's happened since then. And I asked him, have you ever gone hang gliding again? And hang around to the end because I've recently discovered a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Real people in unreal situations. There is a girl hanging by her broken leg from the telephone wire. And I called 911 and I said, I found a baby. I turned around. I see a gun pointed at me close enough I could touch it. She would hold our heads underwater all the time. He levels the gun, pulls the trigger, and I go down. Her eyes were full of tears. She didn't want to leave us. My hair catches on fire. I swear to God, this, is, this image is burning my head for the rest of my life. I'm Scott Johnson, and this is What Was That Like? Hey, it's Scott, and guess what? You're about to hear an ad, and that's both good and bad. It's good because ads are what make it possible for me to keep bringing you these episodes, and it's bad because, well, maybe you don't like listening to ads, and I get that. And the good news is, you don't have to. When you sign up to support the show, you get every single episode without any ads. Plus, you get all the bonus episodes. Yeah, did you know there are actually bonus episodes? And you can try it all for free just to see what it's like. If you're on an iPhone, just go to the What Was That Like podcast and at the top, click on Try Free and you're in. On Android, just go to whatwasthatlike.com plus and try it out completely free. Once you've had the ad-free experience, you'll see why hundreds of other listeners are already doing it. But for now, here's another ad and then on with today's episode. I'll confess, sometimes I let my podcast playlist get out of hand and I get way behind. But there's one show that I subscribe to and any new episode goes right to the top of the queue. That's the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's because I never have to figure out, okay, is this one going to be interesting or do I wait for the next one like I do for some shows? Because Jordan's conversations are always a must-listen for me. He talks to fascinating people from any category you can think of. Authors, scientists, athletes, you name it. He's talked to undercover cops who posed as mafia and the actual career mafia hitmen. And the stories he gets out of these people, just incredible. In one episode, he talked to Paul Holes. You might know that name if you're into true crime. He's the former investigator who uses really advanced methods to solve cold cases, including the Golden State Killer. And another one I really enjoyed was with Sam Harris, an author and neuroscientist who promotes skepticism, and he doesn't mind taking on some seriously controversial topics like politics or religion. That one's going to make you think. 
Whenever a new episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show pops up, I already know it's going to be an episode that I'll enjoy listening to, and I'll bet you will too. For some episode recommendations, check out jordanharbinger.com start, or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Before this happened, had you ever had any kind of close brush with death before? Never. No, it's, uh, this was a uh, uh, first time for me for anything as crazy as that. Wow. And hopefully the last, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You live here in Florida, actually, not too far from me even. Um, I'm, I'm just up in the Tampa Bay area. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're not too far. But this happened in Switzerland, right? Yes. Okay. So you were like on vacation and, uh, and matter of fact, as I think I recall, this was the first day of your vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Me and my wife, uh, we like to travel different places and, uh, it was, it was on our bucket list to come to Switzerland. We usually do something on vacation. That's interesting. You know, normally it's zip lining. We've zip lined in, you know, four or five different countries. You know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. something that we've always done. We've, we've had our balloon before, uh, she got me a skydiving trip for uh, my uh, 40th birthday. So, you know, we've, we've gone to the air a few times. Um, this time she, you know, was looking into the hand gliding and, you know, says, you want to do that? And I'm like, sounds cool. Let's do it. So you both are kind of adventure seekers, it sounds like. Uh, nothing crazy. You know, zip lining's just, you know, zip in between. It's, it's pretty safe. Uh, hot air balloon was awesome i love that the floating up effortlessly was cool hand gliding was just a, another part of of something like that and uh so we that's the only thing we actually set ahead of time when we went to switzerland the rest of the trip was going to be just exploring you know the common theme among all those things is heights yeah so obviously neither of you have a fear of heights oh no oh no okay. good well, I, I i actually bungee jumped once mm-hmm. And, um, no, you got you got to try that. That's pretty cool. But what I found interesting was that the um, the adrenaline doesn't leave your body very quickly. I no. had a hard time sleeping that night. <laughs> so you got to Switzerland your first day. You're looking for the. Did, I assume you probably booked this hang gliding trip uh, ahead of time, right? You had a reservation. Yeah, that's the only thing we did ahead of time uh, was the hang gliding reservation. Uh, my wife picked it out. Uh, you know, found it. Everything looked cool on our website. Safety rating was good. You know, it, like we always do, we check out the safety rating, the reviews, and all the reviews are great. And so we, we booked it. Does this, the service that you use, do they have several pilots or is this like a one-man operation or how's it set up? No, there's several pilots. Um, I think it's just, you know, look at the draw, who you get that day. And uh, the owner wasn't actually at the facility. He was, uh, I think he was on vacation. So we got two of the other pilots and, uh, you know, they were great. They, they picked us up at the hotel. They had another couple of guys that just finished up their flight and they were raving about it. The guy in the front of me said, this was the coolest thing he's ever done. He's done a lot of things. So we were all psyched up. And once we dropped them off, we started heading, uh, to the place to, to go get the gliders and get the other pilot. So you were each going to be hang gliding, you and your wife? We both did. We we had two pilots go up and two hang gliders. Okay. All right. I didn't realize that. She had a beautiful flight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you have any idea how experienced your pilot was? They both talked about it. The one guy uh, that my pilot said he was doing it for like 10, 12 years. So, you know, I'm I'm just going by what they say. Well, and they, there's some kind of a license involved too, right? So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I think somebody said at one point that uh, my my pilot did do some time uh, uh, training or working at a, or the place in Orlando that does this. Oh, okay. There's a hang gliding place in Orlando? There's uh, several in Florida. Yeah, they, uh, there's, there's no hill to jump off of in Florida. So they, That's what I was thinking. There's no, there's no hills, yeah. There's a little airplane that pulls you up and then you release the cable. And then you release it. Okay. So just before you got on this flight, did you or your wife, either of you have any kind of hesitation or any kind of bad feeling at all about this? No, not really. Not really. Um, 
you know, before we left on the trip, I thought it was odd that I, I started getting really sharp pains in my right hand. I don't know if that's anything to do with anything, but before we left for the trip, I was talking to her and I'm like, oh my God, what is wrong with my hand? It's just all of a sudden shooting pains from my hand. It happened like twice. And I didn't think anything of it. So I don't know if, you know, that's was that, it. and was that the wrist you broke? Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of weird. Hmm. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Coincidence. <laughs> okay. So you're, you're getting ready to go. What kind of orientation do they give you before you take off? On the way up the hill, they're driving up and they're, they're joking around. They're showing us videos of previous flights and other people that were doing it. And they're, they're making fun of the whole thing. It's, it was, it was pretty cool because they were they were cool guys. They were laughing and joking. You know, we go past the the, the graveyard, and he points out this is all our former clients. You know, and it was a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of good humor. I wonder if they still make those jokes. <laughs> I don't know about that last one, but <laughs> so all right. So take us through what happened that day from from when you first were you know like whatever kind of training they do to through the uh, how it how everything played out. Uh, we, we parked at a certain spot and then we still had to walk up, uh, you know, several hundred feet to, to get to the launch zone, um, helping them carry the, the bags and stuff up there. Once we got up there we split up, my wife was with one pilot. Uh, I was with the other pilot and, uh, they were setting up the wing and they had us help stick the support rods in and, you know, they were behind us checking it all out. Then came time to put the, uh, safety harness on. So, you know, he opens it up, puts it in front of me. Okay, put your foot here, put your foot here, pulls it up. And then uh, he grabs the the top part of it and, okay, put your hands through here, your head goes here, and he cinches it all up. And then there's a bar that hangs from my harness that uh, once we're airborne, I put my feet on and it levels me out. So you're in kind of a Superman position. Yeah, yeah. He had to get that just my height of, you know, the depth of my feet. So he set everything up on my, my safety harness perfectly. And then we practice running. I had to grab a, a handle on his right shoulder and there was a hand grip on his left side also. So we practiced the run probably three or four times just so we were in sync and we, you know, got things going fast enough to get off the hill. After that, we walked underneath the glider, which was set up and ready to go. And, uh, he was doing a little checking behind him, which, this is my first time hand gliding, so I'm not sure what's going on, what we do or anything. I didn't do any research on it. My wife set this up, so so I, I, I assumed everything was good. We were ready to roll. So we walked up to the edge of the, the hill there, and we waited probably two, three minutes because they, they have little uh, flags on sticks, and they wait for the wind to blow up the hill because there's – there's a big lake in the distance and the wind blows up the hill and it's a perfect launch place because you can just, as soon as you go off, it starts pulling you up. There's such a, a breeze coming up. So when the uh, the flag started going pretty good, he says, let's go, let's go, one, two, three, run. And then we we ran and you're supposed to run until your feet leave the ground. And as soon as my feet left the ground, I was in a precarious situation. Uh, didn't know if I did something wrong, if I didn't put my feet in the, you know, I'm supposed to drop the bar that I'm supposed to stand on. And I had no clue what was going on. People, people were asking, how come you didn't just jump right off? Well, it, in the video, it looks like I could, but actually I couldn't. It was, it was way too high. The video was deceiving in that area. You got some altitude pretty quickly. Oh yeah. By the time I was trying to grab on and you know, look up and see what was going on, I was already over a farmhouse, you know? and gaining altitude. Did he, obviously the pilot must have immediately realized something was wrong. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm supposed to be floating above him. And in turn, I was hanging below him. Did he, what did he say anything to you at that point? Or it it was a struggle at first. We were both trying to, I didn't know what was going on. I'm grabbing, I'm, you know, trying to get a handhold. And uh, he looked like he was, trying to figure out what just happened. And I think he realized pretty quick. So he was trying to grab and try to pull me up a little bit, but he couldn't pull my weight up and I couldn't pull my weight up because, you know, it was just a a dead hang pretty much. And I I think that's what caused us to veer off to the right immediately. Uh, In the video, we veer off to the right and uh, there's houses and there's some open fields there next to the houses. 
but uh, I don't think he could have landed there because the wind was coming up the hill so hard that I don't think we would have even remotely landed anywhere on there. Because he, when when he first realized it near the beginning of the flight, I think he tried to land pretty quickly, right? It looked that way. It looked that way, but I don't think there was a spot and the way the wind was blowing. And when you're, I, I, I'm not an expert at hand gliding by any means, but uh, there's the triangular brace that's that's in the middle of it that they hang on to and they can turn and do all their maneuvers. To get the tip of the hand glider back down, they have to pull themselves in between that and move the weight distribution up front to get the glider to go back down. Well, he was stuck in back and I was hanging on the landing gear. So there was no way to get the tip of that glider down. Right. You guys were in a sort of a permanent uh, gain altitude position. Yeah. We were just kind of plowing, plowing through the air down the hill. Cause it was, you know, there was no way to, to angle that nose down. What, what do you think your altitude was uh, at that point? Or I don't even know. I don't even know. Um, once we got, uh, we've made the left again and you know, everybody says we gained altitude. Well, we didn't gain altitude. The hill just fell away from us. So uh, based on the size of the little cars that look like ants below me, I I don't know. I would say thousand plus feet. The elevation of that hill was 4,000 feet. So I'm not sure exactly how high we were, but to the ground, it was 4,000 foot. Far enough down that if you fell down or if you dropped, you're, oh, yeah. Yeah. You're not going to make it. Nope. When the video, when I saw the video on YouTube, you had, I guess you, did you edit the video yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of mess okay. around with stuff like that. So, okay. And, and obviously the little, the, you know, the annotations and the, you know, the, the graphics that you put on it, it was, you know, there was a level of humor involved. Um, and it, you know, now that you're looking back on it, it you can, you can laugh, but I got to say you, you had to have been just scared to death though. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was scared. Um, I, I just tried to stay calm the whole way down, um, just concentrating on, I mean, at one point when I looked down, I envisioned myself falling. I, I kind of saw myself falling through the air in my mind. And that's when I just decided that that's not an option and I'm just going to hang on as hard as I can. And you were only hanging on with your hands, right? I mean, yeah. it's not like you could get that bar under your uh, under your arm or, you know, to get a better leverage or anything, right? Uh, yeah, if, if, you know, hindsight, if I would have thought about getting both hands on that bar, because my right hand was just searching for something to grab onto most of the time and ended up being hanging onto the fabric of his pant leg at the end, which wouldn't have done me anything if I lost my grip with my left hand. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, if I, if I would have really thought about it, and grabbed both hands on that bar or pulled myself up and put my elbow around it or, or something you know, that probably went a bit a little easier. I guess you'll know that for next time. Then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> next time I'll bring an extra bungee cords with me. So I don't have to worry about that. Right. Yeah. And so you, and I understand you tore a muscle in your bicep. That's the tendon. Right? The bicep tendon is split. Uh, as the bicep is, Biceps is two muscles. One's a thicker muscle, which is the the bigger part of it, and one's a thinner one, which holds by a tendon to your shoulder. And that, that one kind of split because I was I was holding on too long. And that was on your left arm that was on the bar the whole yeah. time. Right? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Did do you know? Did could you tell exactly when that happened? No, oh, no. Uh, uh-uh. it was uh, it was after I got out of the hospital. I really I realized that you know. It, it, when you work out and you do a little too much and you kind of pull your muscle out a little bit, my bicep felt like that and it wasn't going away. And then, uh, I think I was in the hotel room with my sling on and I was moving something and my tricep muscle popped at the same time. And I was like, there's something wrong with my arm here. But that must've happened in flight. Oh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. Uh, you know, I, I read a quote by someone in the saying that, you know, normal person uses 40% of their strength. And uh, he says, if I tore a, a tendon in one of my muscles, then I use over 100%. And so even after that muscle was torn, you were you still kept hanging on. 
I had because I had no other choice. <laughs> you yeah, you weren't necessarily using that muscle so much to hang though. It was more like your hands, right? right. Was that right. Is that where you felt the weakness was in, in in your in your hand? I don't know if it was a weakness or uh, I didn't really feel anything, but you know, just holding on was the only thing on my mind. I wasn't you know this is hurting or anything. I, I just I just locked on and that's that's pretty much what I did. I, and it could have happened when I my feet hit the ground and I got my grip got pulled off. Maybe that's, maybe that's when it tore. I don't know. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with cook unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV, and her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you, because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef-level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what or going to cookunity.com slash what. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan, because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut. With Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic, go to seed.com slash what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what, code 25what. Hey, this is Scott. Did you know we offer a premium feed of this show that is completely ad-free and there are bonus episodes? Go to whatwasthatlike.com slash plus, or just click the link in the show notes of any episode to learn more and to sign up. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can sign up right there in the app by clicking Try Free at the top of the episode list. And I hope to see you in the premium feed soon. The total time that you were hanging was, I believe, two minutes and 14 seconds? Yes. Yeah. You know, just hearing that number, it doesn't seem like a very long time. Yeah. But no. for somebody, you know, go find a chin-up bar or something and just hang there for a couple of minutes and see, yeah. Yeah. see how long it is, right? Yeah. Especially when you're in a situation like that where you're thousands of feet above the ground. Man. And I, I thought it was, I thought it took forever. Uh, I thought I was guessing because since my wife took off before I did and I landed before she did, she was up in the air for like 15 minutes. So I'm thinking it was like five minutes. But when I got the video back, I looked at it and I'm like, all right, only two minutes, 14 seconds. <laughs> and when did she 
understand? When did she realize that uh, you guys were having a problem? She really didn't know the actual true story until we were in the ER and uh, she, uh, the pilot went with us to the ER and he sat with us the whole time. So he got up to go get his car or his keys or go to the bathroom or something. And she's like, what did you just land hard? Cause she never knew what happened. She said, did you land bad? Did your hand come down or something? And I'm like, I was never attached. And that's when her mouth hit the floor and she's like, are you kidding me? Wow. Well, it's kind of better that she didn't know yeah, when, when, it, yeah. when it was happening, right? Right. Talk about the landing. How did that happen? When you, like, I mean, how far, how far off the ground were you when you dropped? I, my feet actually touched the ground. It's the, it's a GoPro that was filming it. So it's got the fish eye. So it looks like we're actually higher or higher than we were, but, uh, uh, we were coming in and I saw the ground coming up and I was, you know, very glad to see it because I had about another five seconds left in my left hand grip. I mean, it was, my hand was opening and I didn't have much left in me, but, uh, I looked down and I just, you know, pointed my toes a little bit and cause we were coming in about 45 miles an hour. And, uh, as soon as my toes hit the ground, it just kind of pulled my grip off and I just hit the ground pretty hard and did a couple of flips or rolls and. I sat up and I, I just, you know, composed myself. And, you know, I just, uh, I hit the ground. It did knock the wind out of me or anything. I sat up and I, I just was like, wow, what just happened? And then I'm like, something's not right. And I looked down at my wrist and it was all bulged out and I could just start feeling the dull, you know, something's not right feeling. And so I knew, I looked down and I says, my wrist is broken. Still, that's, you know, I mean, think about if you fell out of a car at 45 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, you could have been, it could have been a lot worse. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Good thing I had a helmet on, uh, you know, because I did my, I did hit my face. My glasses pushed in a little bit. I got a scrape on my forehead. My left bicep was just ripped to pieces. Uh, like I drug it on a street after come falling out of a car. Yeah. So the pilot kind of dropped you off yeah. and then he continued and landed. How far away was he when he stopped? I think he was about a hundred feet or so. Uh, he, he flew over a fence post and he ended up landing in a gun range because there's a gun range. I don't know why they have a gun range just above their landing strip, but there's a gun range there. So he landed in a gun range. That could have been a whole other level oh, of yeah. complexity to this story. Huh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So he, he, Got himself unbuckled pretty quick. And in my portion of the video, which I didn't post, I mean, he was breathing so heavy just, you know, because it, it took everything he had to get that thing down how he did. So he was just gasping for air and he unhooked and he went, he came up to me and he just said, just don't get up. Don't get up. Just stay still. Stay still. See, you know, he's, he's expecting I'm going to shock out or something. And I just said, my wrist is broken. I, I don't know how I stayed calm through the whole thing for some reason. Um, I said, my wrist is broken. We need to go get this taken care of. I says, you know, he's like, just stay still, just stay still. And I'm like, I'm fine. I can get up. So we got, yeah, but up. you know what? Sometimes people in shock think they're fine. Yeah, they I know. Can get up, you know? Yeah. I, I kind of knew it. I just, I knew my wrist was broken and that's the only thing I felt that was, that was off. Just as a complete aside, what kind of work do you do? I mean, are you exposed to emergency situations at all? No, I, I, up until this week, I was a parts manager at a Porsche Volkswagen dealership. Okay. It's not like you're an EMT or something that you see emergencies on no. a regular basis. I got, I got four brothers and a sister, so I've seen enough of, you know, broken arms and blood and gore. So that's It's good to know how you'll react in a situation like that, though, because most people don't know because they've never been exposed to that. And that's, I think that's the whole thing is just, uh, just remaining calm and, and thinking things through instead of uh, freaking out. I mean, I've had so many people say, how, how weren't you not screaming your brains out and freaking out? And I think if I did that, I wouldn't have held on. Right. Cause uh, that, uh, that you use up more energy doing that. And uh, that's right. Panic, panic is never yeah. good. Yeah. It's never good. So, so how did you get to the hospital Were you, did you land near a road so an ambulance could get to you or? What happened then? The field I landed in was, uh, I think it was pretty much a cow pasture. And then after that was the gun range. And then a few more uh, fields up was the actual landing landing site. So the road went behind the, everything. So once we got stood up and started walking, he says, 
we need to get to the road so our van can pick you up. So we, we start getting over there. So I had to climb underneath two electric fences with a broken wrist. He's like, duck down lower, duck down lower, you know. So climbed underneath two electric fences and got to the road. And we walked down the road a little bit. And then his, his partner with the van came pulling up. And they're like, we're taking you to hospital. It's right over here. It's, it's, it's real quick. Come on, get in. And I'm like, I'm not getting in anything until my wife is sitting here with me. And how far away was she? She was down. She was at the regular landing site. She was she was waiting for me to land. She she asked her pilot. She asked her pilot. She's like, uh, "When's my husband coming in? Which way is he coming in?" And he kind of saw us on the way down because she has a video of her flight and it's beautiful. And coming into landing, I see him looking down to our area, and you know, he's like, "I think he's down already. There might have been an issue." So she's like, all right, whatever. So she's, she's That's just the having a statement of the year. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So we, we pulled the van around, uh, to the actual, uh, hand gliding place and my wife's standing there just looking around, having a beer, just waiting for me to show up. And I'm like, yeah, come here. we got to go to the hospital. That's when, you know, we, uh, we all got in and we went to the emergency room and, you know, it took it took a while. We did some x-rays and went back and did some more x-rays. And they told us, you know, it's going to have to be it's going to have to have surgery to, to repair it. So we the, the, I was given the option of doing it now, today or when I get back home. And we just got there. So we had eight more or seven more days left. So we just decided, let's just do it now. And the, the pilot the pilot stayed with us the entire time. I mean, his insurance, his flight's insurance covered everything, so we didn't have to do anything there. He uh, he stayed with us until it was like 11 p.m. I didn't get surgery yet because it's Switzerland with a lot of mountains. And the helicopter brought three other people in while I was in there who were in worse shape than I was. So uh, I got pushed back on the, the surgery table, so... It was, uh, I was scheduled to go in at 11.30 p.m. And uh, at 11 o'clock, I just told my wife, I'm like, you can't do nothing for me here. I mean, uh, I'm going to be whacked out in surgery. I said, just, you know, he, he was going to drive her back to the hotel. And I said, just, just go back to the hotel and, you know, get me some clean clothes and come back tomorrow. So she did, she wasn't too happy about that, but. She did, and uh, I went into surgery at eleven thirty, and I didn't get out till three thirty a.m. It was interesting. Interesting waking up uh, out of anesthesia in a strange hospital and with everybody speaking German. Took me a while to, to figure that one out. And and so, how long were you in the hospital? I got out of the hospital at like three o'clock the next day, the next afternoon. So it was from. Uh, our flight was, it was before noon. So it was only, you know, a day or so, a little over a day. And, and you continued your vacation from there? Yeah, we, we went sightseeing and stuff. I, I, I took it easy for a day at the ho- the hotel. You know, we, we had to go get more bandages and treatments and stuff. And I had to keep taking my sling off. It was, there was a brace and a sling that was wrapped. So I had to keep taking that off every day and putting new bandages on. And we ended up, you know, we, we didn't get to do what we wanted to do. We wanted to go golfing. We wanted to go hiking. You know, we didn't get to do that, but, uh, we, we hopped on the train and we went to, uh, Lucerne and saw the Lucerne lion that's carved into the wall in uh, Lucerne. And we, we just went around and checked different places out at the restaurants and shops and the views, you know, just checking things out. Yeah, you're already there. Why yeah, not? Right? Yeah. Do you un- do you have any idea what actually happened as to wh- you know why did this go wrong? Did it was it just simple forgetfulness, or uh, did you talk to the pilot about it? I didn't really. Well, he we questioned him when we got to the hospital. My wife was questioning him a lot, and uh, after the fact, my wife and I spoke about it, and I, I asked her how her pilot went through the whole process. And her pilot verbally announced everything he was doing as he was doing it. My pilot, you know, when, when, once we got the, the harness on and we got underneath there, he didn't, I think it was just, he must have got distracted and just skipped a few steps because he didn't verbalize any of that. Right. He just had his mental checklist that he's probably done hundreds of times. Yes. 
Yeah. Wow. You think of something that's that ingrained and you've done it so long to how can you forget such a critical step? That just seems really odd, but Hey, everyone's a human, right? We can all. And that's how I'm looking at it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm alive to tell the story. You know, I got, you know, two surgeries coming up still. I'm going to have to have the plates removed from my wrist uh, next month. And then my shoulder scoped out the month after that. So he's human. He, he, did all he could in the video. You can see he's he's flying with one hand, holding onto my safety harness, and you know, he trying to make a beeline landing, getting us down quick. So it's human error. I, I really can't, you know, point fingers. I'm not that way. And it sounds like I, mean, I would at least I'm just imagining that throughout this flight, as scared as you were, he must have been just terrified himself. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, when he got to the ground, he was gasping for air. I mean, it took all he had to to get us down and do that so and i understand that uh, or i read that the the incident is being investigated by flight authorities in switzerland or what, what do you know what's happening there i've heard that too but uh he actually went and reported himself he went to the swiss handling authorities and reported himself and told them the whole incident and you know the guy was devastated he he's never going to forget this for the rest of his life. I mean, he, he felt absolutely horrible about it because he, and he couldn't explain what, what had happened. He says, I, I don't know. It was just human error. I, I don't know what happened. He, he reported himself and I don't think there's really an investigation. I think they just might be updating their safety standards a little bit uh, from, from all the hand gliding places that I've received calls from that want to give me a free ride now. Um, they Free hang gliding for life, huh? Uh, just about, yeah. They uh, they all you know talk about doing a hang check. A lot of people talk about doing a hang check is when the the glider is on the ground, you hook yourselves in, and then you just hang from the the, the guide. The wires holding you up, and then you get up and you go just to verify that you're locked in. When I'm watching the video, it looks like we're watching from behind, mm-hmm. but it looks like there's another camera out front swinging yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Is there another video? facing you guys uh that was their camera my my gopro was uh taped to the back tail of that thing pointing down so that my mm-hmm. camera was attached to the back um his camera may or may have not even been on because it, oh, okay. it was flopping back and forth i mean he wasn't touching it he was just worried about getting me down right if there was any footage on there i'm sure it's been deleted uh <laughs> by the time i got my camera back when I was in the ER, uh, the camera footage was deleted also. Wait a minute. Say that again. What was deleted? My footage off of my camera was deleted. How did you, how did, how did you still have the video then? A place called salvagedata.com. They undelete a video. They dig down into all the sectors and they re they pull the video out and rebuild it. It's they, they do hard drives when the uh, hard drives crash and they, they retrieve mm-hmm. information. That's what they specialize in. So I sent it off to them and they pulled the whole video back. That is interesting. Yeah. You know, because j- my primary business is computer repair and I do data recovery myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of times people think they can just format a drive and all the stuff's gone. But right. it's not, not really gone, obviously, because yeah. that's amazing that they were able to get that back and you what did the hang lighting place say about why that was deleted? Uh, you know, the, the, I, I don't know if I, if it was my company, I don't know if I would have done the same thing, just trying to do damage control because, you know, the last thing I want to do is, is put someone out of business. Last thing I want to do is hurt a whole community of people that do this for a living. I mean, I, I've, I've been reached out to by umpteen hand gliding associations wanting to know if I'd be willing to help them in their safety procedures or, you know, I was told that I brought a lot of attention to hand gliding again. And I just, you know, it's not what I, but is this good attention though? That's the question. It's brought attention to it. And I, I think that uh, if they do the safety checks, like everybody says they should be doing, you know, that's, that's the way it should be done. But uh, wasn't my intention putting this video on to hurt that or to to make it look bad? Pretty much have a YouTube page just to 
throw stupid videos on to show my family and friends. You know, I got a lot of movie trailers and stuff and we go on trips and I'll add my video and I'll share it with my family and friends. No idea that that video was going to do what it did. Yeah. It's, it's kind of gone viral a little bit. Oh yeah. If I were in their shoes, I would be thinking, man, this guy's an American. Americans sue everybody. And what do we, what, what do we have to do to protect ourselves? Well, we, we did, we did actually, uh, talk with a lawyer in Switzerland, not really to, to, you know, retire, you know, from suing the pants off of somebody. We just wanted to know what our legal rights were. Switzerland's an entirely different uh, country than the U.S. It's, it doesn't have ambulance chasers. They put a cap on things over there. So what, what we get back if we, you know, did do a lawsuit or anything would be anything we've lost, you know, any funds that we've lost because this happened. So, you know, we went out and bought bandages and we took all our dirty clothes and stuck them in my wife's suitcase. And we went to the post office and mailed that back to our house. So we didn't have to carry two big suitcases. I had a 70 pound camera backpack that I wasn't going to be able to handle. My wife probably wasn't either. So we bought another case for that. So we, you know, my watch, my watch got ripped off my arm. I don't know where that is. Uh, just, just, you know, it's, it's whatever you've lost. So just, yeah. Reimbursing what, yeah. What you expect yeah. your expenses were. Yeah. Here's the big question. Would you try it again? Definitely. Definitely. Um, my wife wants to do it again. She had a fabulous trip. I mean, just she's apprehensive to share her video or any of her pictures because of what happened to me. But uh, I saw the pictures and I saw her video and it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, you can see the the background when I take off the, the mm-hmm. lake and the. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. And she. She was even higher, so she was. She said it was like flying, effortlessly just soaring through the sky. So, I do want to try it again. Um, yeah, it's something I I think I should do to get over this. Well, yeah, um, and thinking from you know from a statistical standpoint, the uh, hang gliding is a it's it's like skydiving. You know, it's a it's a from the numbers, it's a very safe sport. And yeah. for something yeah. like this to happen, what happened to you is just such a small, small chance. I mean, if you go again, the chances of it happening a second time got to be astronomical. That's just me. That's yeah. my bad luck. Right. <laughs> right. No, right. It's, it's, it's like a one in a million kind of thing. I mean, you don't hear of this happening much at all. I did a little research on uh, Google, just trying to see if there was anybody else that did the same, had the same thing happened. I have, didn't find many that lived to tell the story, but, uh, uh, one that came up was a girl in uh, in Canada that did it, and she was unhooked, and the pilot had her wrapped in her legs underneath her, and she fell to her death. And I, I think in that instance, the pilot uh, actually took the SD card out of the camera and swallowed it. Yeah, but you know what, though? Even that doesn't destroy it. <laughs> no, no. And they got it back. They got it back, and he was charged with criminal neglect or something like that. So, And, and that's an, I'm not looking to put anybody in a bad spot. I think the guy, uh, you know, he's, he feels horrible about the whole situation and he will probably for the rest of his life. Yep. He'll never forget it. And you'll never forget it. Nope. Well, Chris, that's a wild story. Is there anything, any aspect of it that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? When people ask me if, you know, I do it again, I say, yeah. And they're like, you're crazy. And, uh, you know, we go on trips every third year or something like that to a different country. We try something different. I'm 54 years old now. I'm, you know, still young enough to get around and go do this stuff. And I'm going to live my life. You know, I'm not going to be scared to go somewhere or do something that might look scary because I can, I can die driving to work in my car. So I'd rather while I'm doing something fun. I agree. That's the way to look at it. Well, I appreciate you coming on here, taking your time. It's a, I love this story and um, uh, good luck on your next hang gliding trip. Thank you. Thank you. Every one of these flashback episodes we do 
it's like we say, man, I can't believe it's five years, but it's true. Five years just flew by. Yeah. Oh, it's, 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 I still keep getting, you know, comments every day on my YouTube page. So it's, there's a little subtle reminder, you know. Yeah, you your story was definitely a big one. I mean, it went viral worldwide. How many views has that video had now? Uh, it's got just shy of 12 million views right now. 12 million views, man. When we last spoke, you mentioned that you had a couple of surgeries coming up, one on your wrist and one on your shoulder. How has the healing process gone since then? Uh, I think I'm a pretty quick healer because uh, I have had no problems with my wrist or my shoulder since both surgeries. I had to have uh, the plate taken out of my wrist, so I had to have you know that surgery, and then you know I had to go through physical therapy and all that again. And then my shoulder was a pretty simple surgery, but you know that was uh, another another bout of uh, physical therapy to get my my arms over my head again. Yeah. But when you think about what could have happened, I mean, do you ever think about that? Man, I I almost died. Oh, yeah. I, I think about it all the time. I could have not walked away from that at all or, you know, ended up, you know, quadriplegic or, you know, even worse. So I think that's what that's what kept me hanging for so long. I just I just decided that, you know, that ain't going to happen. One thing that we talked about, I think it was after we stopped recording um, on our original conversation, was that you ended up losing your job sort of as a result of this experience. How did that happen? Right after it happened and the viral the video happened, you know, I had a, a lot of attention, a lot of attention, people calling me for interviews and this and that. I had, I think, three news crews show up at my work one day. One in the morning, one in the midday, one in the afternoon, and you know it was a it was a little bit of a distraction. But you know, I I worked around it. I you know stayed later, finished my stuff up. You know, and I, I remember showing my uh, the controller of the dealership. I remember showing her my video, and she was blown away by it. But then she kept saying, "Oh my God, you're going to be rich. You're going to be rich. You're going to be rich." And I'm like. That's that's not how it is, you know. It's it's not how things are going, you know. It's, it's Switzerland. There's there's no major lawsuit like the U.S., you know. So there's there's no real pot of gold at the end of that uh, that instance. So so I, th I think she had that in her head the whole time. So things just started happening at work. Uh, there was an accusation of theft by me. You know, I've been with the company for twenty some years, and I did everything, you know. For the company, you know, I'm not, I'm not that kind of person, you know. So that really was a, a you know, slap in the face, uh, accused me of stealing something, which I proved them wrong because whatever they said I was stealing was right there. You know, I, I showed them this is where it is, and so after that, everything was fine. They said everything was fine, and then uh, a few weeks later, uh, they came out with something else. So uh, it was, you know, it was they were trying to find something to to let me go because I, I think they, they thought it was too much of a distraction. And it's not like you, I mean, you didn't post that video thinking, wow, this is going to be viral everywhere. And, and you know what, if it happened in the U S there may have been a big payday for you be just because of being yeah. such a litigious society like we are. Yeah. There probably would have been a line of lawyers waiting at the bottom of a hill for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> but right. Uh, it was just kind of a slap in the face when they, when they let me go. But you 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 landed back on your feet. You you know you've got a similar job at another place, and and you're doing fine, right? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Still, that's awesome. Still, still planning our trips and everything. So yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about. You said that. I mean, I think you call yourself an adventure traveler, and you do something regularly. What do you have coming up? Next trip, we're going to the Azores. Uh, it's the Hawaiian Islands of Europe, uh, someplace we've never been, and. You know, my wife always sets these up for us. She's she's always looking for the next spot that we can go, and and she's been right on. I mean, she's she, we've been to some absolutely beautiful places. So, and when we go there, we we always look for something to do, something a little more exciting, off the beaten path. I'm not sure what the Azores has for us just yet, but we're always looking for that special excursion or something that we do that's that's out of the ordinary. Right, something fun. Have you been hang gliding again? One year after the incident, 
I went back to Switzerland and I ran off that same hill. Oh, wow. With the same company? Different company, different pilot. Uh, I flew with uh, Wolfgang Cease, who's like one of the top hand gliders in the, in the world. It was a very, very awesome experience. It was what I wanted in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Much better than the first time, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And did, that, did the, the, the guy that took you, did he know your history of what had happened? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, it's a crazy story because, you know, I always took the high road in this whole story. I didn't name names. I didn't point fingers. I didn't try to bash anybody for not hooking me up or whatever. It was a error. It was an accident, you know, and that's what I looked at it as. And uh, the tourism board of Interlaken, Switzerland really liked how I approached that. So they approached me and asked if we wanted to come back to Switzerland to redo our vacation. So, yeah, they set everything up for us. Wow, you can't turn that down. No, no. So, we set it up where uh, uh, we were the last day of vacation this time uh, to go hand gliding again, and and it was fantastic. It does look like fun. I've never done it, but it just looks like it would be pretty amazing. Yeah, it's just effortless. I mean, you're you're just flying. You're just seeing a little above the ground. I mean, we've done hot air ballooning before, and that's kind of... You know, it's different, but it's just, you know, you're effortlessly just lifted off the ground and float through the air. It's, it's, it's an awesome experience. Now, something that you've done more recently is you wrote a book about this experience. How did that happen? I had the idea for a book probably within a, within a year after this, the make, regular incident happened. And I just, uh, I, I, I worked a mile away from here. This is a second job I took. I was like a, in Fort Myers. I was a those driving every day to Fort Myers and back. So it was like an hour drive back and forth. So I had a little microphone recorder and I just was telling the story every day back and forth, just just everything I can remember and all the things that had happened to us. Kind of a brain dump? Yeah. Yeah. So then I uh, I just kind of compiled it all together finally after a, like three years, I started to work on it and uh, put it all together and, you know, put... put uh, Everything that we went through, everything that happened to us. The book is called A Beautiful Day to Fall. Kind of a kind of a dark title, sort of. <laughs> do you take kind of a humorous uh, approach to the whole thing? I do. It's it's how I handle things. It's how I deal mentally with things. If it's if I just throw fun at it, because what can you do? You know, it's if you can't take things too seriously. I was trying to come up with a good name for it, and. In several of my interviews before, I, I said, as I was hanging on for my life, I said, I looked down and I thought, this is an actual beautiful day and I'm going to fall to my death here. And my wife picked up on that and she said, how about this? A beautiful day to fall. And I'm like, that kind of fits really good. It makes sense. And yeah, yeah. And watching the video, you can see it was just, it was a gorgeous day. Oh, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Well, your book is available on Amazon and we'll have a link to that. So if anybody wants to pick it up, they can certainly do that. Chris, thanks again and uh, have fun in the Azores. Oh, thank you. Going to find something to do. Maybe not hand gliding, but we'll figure something out. Here's something I would not have predicted. Because of being in the news for this, Chris has been on a couple of German game shows. Right after his hang gliding video went viral, he was on Das Quiz 2018. And then just a few months ago, in September 2023, he was on Kom Zoglauben. That episode will be live in March. And I want to tell you about a podcast that I just subscribed to recently. You know, here on this show, we've done a few episodes that have to do with giving birth. In fact, back in episode 91, the whole episode was people telling their own individual stories about when they gave birth and the strange or funny or even sad things that happened. Well, now there's a whole podcast that has stories like that. It's called Birth As We Know It. And this isn't a paid ad or trade. In fact, the host, whose name is Kiona Nessenbaum, doesn't even know I'm mentioning it here. But I'll tell you, she's amazing. And I know that because I actually met Kiona recently at a podcasting conference. And I'll tell you this, she is passionate about birth stories. That's why I love it, and that's why I think you'll love it too, because we all love an amazing story. So go and check out her show. You can find it on any podcast app. Just search for Birth As We Know It. 
The episode I really recommend to start with is episode 22 with her guest named Anissa. That's A-N-I-S-S-A. Or you can check out Kiona's website, which is just her name, KionaNessenbaum.com. And don't worry about trying to write that down because I'll have that link in the episode notes at WhatWasThatLike.com slash 167. Graphics for this episode were created by Bob Bretz. Full episode transcription was created by James Lye. And now, this week's listener story. This one is from my friend Lauren. I've known Lauren for years. She lives in New York City, and I see her at conferences all the time because she runs a company called Tink Media, which is at tinkmedia.co, and she helps podcasters grow their audience. So if you have a podcast and you want to reach more listeners, get in touch with her. In this story, Lauren tells us about the time she fell down and was helped by a stranger. And I have to tell you, I absolutely love this story. Stay safe, and I'll see you in a week with the next new episode of What Was That Like? I'm a runner, and in 2014, I was training for the Disney Marathon. I'm a huge Disney nut. I was in pain. I had injured myself, but I thought it was something small. Um, I actually had an MRI appointment scheduled, but before the appointment, I was walking to work in, it was January in New York City, walking up Park Avenue with a big 7-Eleven coffee in my hand, and I fell on some ice. And the second I fell, I felt a lot of pain, but I didn't realize how bad it was. I spilled my coffee everywhere, and my first thought was, oh no, I'm going to have to go get more coffee. But I realized I was having trouble getting up. And you know, some people swarmed around me, and they seemed unsure if I was okay. But one woman made a beeline to me, and she picked me up, and I was leaning on her. And I said, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I have to go to work. And she said, you can't go to work. You're hurt. You have to go to the hospital. I don't know how she knew this and I didn't. Anyway, I was like, I guess, okay, sure. I I could tell I was in a lot of pain. So she said, I'm going to call you a cab. And I said, you don't have to do that. Please, I'm sure you have to be somewhere. She said, no, I'm going to call you a cab. So she called me a cab. And I'm then realizing how much pain I'm in and that I can't really walk. And the cab arrives and she said, you know what? I'm going to get into the cab with you. And I said, please don't do that. You know, don't you have to go to work too? And she said, no, I'm going to get in the cab with you. And so she gets in the cab and she tells the cab driver where to go. Uh, NYU Langone, which is a hospital. And I said, who are you? And she said her name was Sharon and that she actually worked for like a medical device company. And she knew the right hospital to take me to because she said that when she had moved to New York City, her and her friends had memorized the best hospitals to go to in case of emergency, in case they got drunk and needed to go to the best hospital. So I would not have known that. Then she told the cab to take me to a special entrance that I also would not have known about. So we get to the hospital. And she says, you know what, I'm going to go get you a wheelchair. And I said, you know what, you don't have to do that. In my head, I'm thinking, I hope that you help me because I can't do this alone this whole time. I've been telling her, no, go to work. And in my head, I'm like, please help me. She seemed to have known that I needed her help. So she goes and gets me a wheelchair and she's like, I'm going to wheel you in. And I'm like, no. And she does. And then she wheels me in and she helps me do my paperwork. She helps me go to the bathroom, a stranger. And she wheels me into the doctor. She stays with me the whole time. And, you know, in the car, I had discovered that her name was Sharon because she was from Sharon, Pennsylvania. And that happened to be the town where my grandmother lives and where my family is from. So, you know, they do an emergency surgery on me. I had broken my hip. I could have died. There could have been a blood clot. And, you know, I was, you know, I had to go on work disability. I was on crutches for a long time, uh, which is actually when I started listening to podcasts. I fell in love with podcasts on crutches. And the doctor had told me, you know, you're never going to be able to run the same way. You know, you can maybe run, but you won't be able to race. And I thought, let's see about that. And I did everything they said. I followed all of the physical therapy. I took it really seriously. And I came back really, really slowly. I'll never forget the first day I was allowed to run. I was so excited. I had the the date marked in my calendar. And I went out on my run. I was allowed to run for like seven minutes. And I came back. My husband said, how was it? And I was in tears. And I thought, this is why people hate running. This was so terrible. 
I'm never running again, but I kept at it. And less than a year later, I was in the Disney world half marathon. It was a princess half marathon. And I was wearing a Tinkerbell costume because I love Tinkerbell. And I won the whole race. And there were tens of thousands of people in this race. And I won. And I had no idea that would happen. You know, I remember starting out and thinking, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to get in the first 10, the top 10. And then, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to be in the top five. And it, it was honestly the happiest moment of my life to cross that finish line. It meant so much more than if I had won any other race. I was in Disney World, the place where I felt the most magical and happy in my Tinkerbell costume, where I also felt very happy. And I won. I kept in touch with Sharon for a while afterwards, but I have lost touch with her. So Sharon, if you're listening, please reach out to Scott and have him connect us once again, because you saved my life and you made me love running again. And I just don't know where I would be without you.